good to have you here today. Really thank you for taking the time to come. And again, I know that it, uh, in these days and times, it's always a question about whether you want to get together. And so again, I have to express an appreciation to all of you who are observing our protocols and being courteous to each other, recognizing that not everybody is all that worried about masks and not everybody is comfortable with you not without a, on a mask on. So we're going to work together and help those two things come together. I would just remind you very quickly that uh, we have uh, started trying to minimize the number of texts that we're sending out every Sunday with the link that, of course, doesn't work. But um, we, we believe it will at some point. And if you're such that you could find it, whether you got the reminder or not, if you would text, no need. Uh, I tried to put a space in there. It didn't like it. So you have to do no need the way it's printed there. Uh, to the number that, that uh, is there on the screen, and we'll, we'll work, do our best to kind of minimize some of those costs with your help in that way. On your way in today, I hope you got a copy of the Caring and Sharing. Uh, you'll find a number of things that we won't mention from the pulpit today, uh, but that you need to be aware of, and I hope that you'll look through it, particularly, as always, on page two or three will be the prayer list with some updates there. And hopefully we'll give you the updates that we've had since we published on Friday before we're done today. So you can make notes right there in the margin. And of course you can download it and have it on your phone anytime, anywhere. I wanted to be sure and mention that uh, coming up next Sunday at 2 o'clock we have a couple's shower. I'm always skeptical when they say couple's shower. I'm, I'm never exactly sure what's going to go on at a shower that any of the men would would connect to but it's a couple shower and particularly because the wedding is in uh, in in Charleston South Carolina and you're not going to have an opportunity to be in attendance and bless them in that ceremony would appreciate you being here men and women being here at two o'clock next uh, Sunday afternoon to, to bless Kevin McBrayer and Alyssa Campbell as they get prepared to for their marriage uh, be sure that you're aware and you need to be sure and have uh, I mean, now is as good a time as any to go back and get one of the uh, serving uh, single, single communion sets and, and that'll help you and you'll have that ready as opposed to having to stop and do that later in the service. So I want to remind you on that. Also, of course, we've got online giving going. I know that many of you are sending your checks in through the mail and the box is always in the back. And while most of you have heard me say that every week, we say these things because there may be somebody who hasn't been back in quite a while that's here. I need to say a few things. We had a great meeting of our ministry leaders and deacons and elders uh, on Wednesday night where we looked at the things. And it's just, it is really neat to hear our ministries talk about how they want to grow and the new things that they want to do. We also do a check-in with where you're giving in, and I wanted to bring you up to date on that. Kevin mentioned this. I have a few more details this week that I want to make you aware of. The 2020 budget, and, and if you'll remember, uh, our, our pandemic situation actually already started before the budget was set, and we, uh, you, you supported very well, and we looked how the giving went as March came to a close because it did decrease some. And so the budget last year was set at $10,142. That's the number that's published in the caring and sharing. Need you to be aware that thus far, our giving, the giving that we have participated in that sets the ministry potential, the budget for the next year, again, one more time to say to you so that you hear it, this church will not 
budget finances any for a single penny above what your actual giving is for January, February, and March. So if you say, it doesn't have anything to do with me, or if you say, you know, we, we got a little raise at work this year, and we just haven't looked at our income, but it wasn't much raise, so it really wouldn't make all that much difference. Every single growth that every single individual puts into this three-month period gives us the potential to do more ministry in the future. If you were in the Hope for Hades Children um, presentation, you're aware that their economy has been hit such that the money we're sending to Haiti has been decreased in its value by 30%. And I know that this church is committed. We will get together, and if we have to cut things out of the budget, there'll be lots of things that are cut before our mission effort. But do you understand that to maintain the same support next year at Hope for Haiti's Children, our, our gifts have to go up to make up for what they lost simply because the economy is, is having the struggle that it's having. That's just one example. Every mission effort has, requ requires your, back, your support. Uh, our VBS requires your financial support. And whether we can do that in person or online, it will still take an investment of time and money. Need you to be thinking about and praying about. Because at this point, we're somewhere in the neighborhood of $800. Be sure you understand. Not $800 a month. $800 a week. That's uh, more than $40,000 in a year that we have to find to take out of our budget if in the next month. And by the way, these are the five hardest weeks of this entire process. And why would that be? Because spring break's right smack dab in the middle of it. Now, I really rejoice. Our new giving pattern has really taken us in a new direction where so many people's gifts are already uh, uh, on, on regular. They, your bank withdraws it every, on a regular basis, so we're not dependent just on what you put in the plate. But we need you to think about what you're giving. But I want to end all that by saying... Thank you. You have, through a, one of the most difficult years, I wish there were people online that I could say thank you to because it's just, it's just a blessing to, to walk by the mail slot in the office, you know, the old-fashioned mail slot, which we still get mail in every once in a while. It's kind of crazy. Um, I, you know, they shove it through the little slot, but um, there'll be an envelope there, and somebody's taken the time to write a check, put it in an envelope, drive to church, and put it in the slot. Thank you for all of your support. Thank you for your support in prayer. Thank you for your support in ministry and working alongside the people that are doing things, even in these difficult situations. But also, thank you for your financial gifts as well. We have a quick report from our elder select identification and search steering team. Good morning. We actually settled on elder discernment team, so it would tie in with the sermons that you did. Uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody in the congregation for your input to this process so far. Uh, we've had quite a few nomination forms submitted, and that uh, does really help out our efforts. Um, but the process will complete today at 4 o'clock this afternoon. So you have one more chance, uh, well, as long as you can take up until 4 o'clock to get in your nomination forms. We have forms out in the back. At this point, if you need to, one of the easiest things to do is uh, just list the names that you want to uh, 
provide in an email to the 2021LJCC at gmail.com email address. Please put your complete name and phone number if you've used that approach. Uh, you can find forms out in the lobby uh, next to where we have our box there in the hallway. Uh, and you can leave them there when you're done. Now, the schedule that we have coming up, if we can get caught up here, the schedule we have coming up uh, as the nomination process ends today, we will, be con we will be tallying up the nominations and we will be determining the list of names that are available. Uh, after, we, after we identify the top three names on that list, uh, we will start to contact these men and asking them if they're willing to continue the process. As that gets together, we have uh, a questionnaire that they will be asked to provide uh, responses to. And that will become available ultimately for the congregation to review. It'll give you a little bit more insights into their thought process. That will push us towards the affirmation process. So it'll be a while before we have to have the congregation involved, but that doesn't mean the process is on hold. That means there's just things going on beside, behind the scenes to help us get a better picture of the men that have been identified uh, for this role. So again, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to contact any member of the discernment team or myself, and uh, we can give you more information as required. Thanks again for participating in this process. Let's stand together and begin our time of worship from the book of Psalms, Psalm 56. Please recite along with me. Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I will present my thank offerings to you. For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. And the whole church said... morning. Over all the earth you reign on high, every mountain stream, every sunset sky, but my one request, Lord, my only
right, it's time for, to dismiss for stage two nursery, Limitless Kids and Crave Kids. And as we're doing that, remain standing. We'll sing uh, Build My Life.
Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you at this time, Lord, and we give you all the honor and glory and praise that is due such holy name. Lord, we come to you thankful. We are so thankful of all the many blessings, Lord. You give us so much more of just our daily needs, Lord. You give us of all the glory and beauty and wonders that you have created here in this world for us. Lord, we do come before you and we are asking for those of our congregation and others that are sick. We ask that you'll continue to be with those that we've been praying for. We have many on there that are list that need your help and guidance. Lord, we ask that you'll be with the Alley Wade, that you'll be with Connie Aubrey, that you'll continue to be with Edna Allen that we've been praying for, Lord. Help her with her newer infection that she is dealing with. That you'll be with Chelsea Miller and, and Josie Miller, Lord. Help them to, to return to their health that they are much needed in this world. Lord, we need to remember those that are fighting this disease that's here in this world, that you will help them with all those that are sick with the COVID and be with, Lord, the mostly the health group, health workers, as they continue to try to endure this disease that is here. Lord, we ask that you'll continue to be with all of the missions that we have at this congregation and that are all congregations throughout the world, Lord. But one we're praying for mostly is the hope for Haiti's children. We ask that you'll continue to be with that organization, that you'll help them in their financial needs, that you'll help them in their spiritual needs, and Lord, that you'll help this, this group of Christians to continue to spread the word, but more than that, to help the children that are needed there. Lord, we're so thankful for your mercy and your grace and your love. Lord, we are so thankful that you would go to the point of giving up your own son, that you allowed him to go to that cross and to die for our sins. Lord, we ask that you'll continue to help us to be better Christians in the future than what we have been in the past, that you will help us to to be with those that that need help, that need our support, spiritual help, Lord, and let this church always be that shining light into the community. Lord, we ask that you will forgive us of our shortcomings and our sins when we do fall short from your word, that you'll continue to bless us and keep us in your, your safe and comfortable arms. Lord, we ask that you will continue to work with all of the the those that are in the power here in this country and in the power around the world for we know that you are the leader of this whole world and that all things are done through your your power but lord of all the great power you are the great physician lord you are the great protector you are the great comforter and Lord, these we ask that you will continue to be with us. Always walk with us and help lead us away from the adversary that appears here on this earth. 
and forgive us of our shortcomings and sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Hasten glad and free. This morning's reading comes from Romans chapter 2, verses 12 to 16. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's light, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, we Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law. They are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them, and at other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. When a musical runs for as long as Les Mis has, Les Miserables has, uh, you wind up with a multitude of people singing the different parts. If, you've, uh, if you have ever uh, seen the musical in person, you've been blessed by that. If you have gone to the theater, it is a joy to see Mindy and Sammy and Trey. Trace, there we go. Sorry, that just completely took me off course. 
If you've had the opportunity to see it live, you've been blessed. Um, maybe you've seen one of the film adaptations. Uh, you will uh, you'll have people who like different ones. I simply want to recommend, if you've never seen the story before, Victor Hugo's Les Miserables. It's one of the great novels, uh, very old, written in the 1800s. And um, it, it has such a powerful Christian message. In a very similar way to Charles Dickens' The Christmas Carol has this underlying and very powerful Christian message. Les Mis carries that same message in, in many ways at a much deeper kind of level. Um, I, if you're going to watch, if you need to know the story, look for Liam Neeson on the cover. Everybody know Liam Neeson? If you get DVD, Liam Neeson, it doesn't have any music. It just tells the story. So you'll get the story. And then if you want the songs to really be given the context that can best uh, describe them, the most recent form with Hugh Jackman and um, Russell Crowe and Anne Hathaway, um, you'll, you'll find that that brings the import of the music. But if you really enjoy the music and you're a person who loves that, as I am, uh, you need to find either the 10th anniversary concert or the 30th anniversary concert. Um, I never watch either one of the, the, we have the 30th and ourselves, and uh, it'll just, the impact of the songs are, is incredible, which to me is a, a little bit of a witness to the way the Spirit works in, in every single life and through the arts, um, because Victor Hugo wrote this incredible message about the grace of God versus legalistic destruction. And then Andrew Lloyd Webber got a hold of it and started writing songs. And I don't see Andrew Lloyd Webber necessarily as all that much of a believer. But he carried the message that Victor Hugo included in his book in these songs that will... I realize those, there are those of you who hate musicals. Um, and that's okay. Because it, God needs all kinds. Today's message will be for, 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 for that. But... Um, if you can watch one of those anniversary concerts and not be driven to your heart moving and your eyes welling up, then I, I don't know what to do with you other than not judge you. That would be the thing that I most need to do. In the 1800s, Victor Hugo's book, as it became more popular, uh, this was a very common thing. Winnie the Pooh went through this. The first book is published, but it, popularity grows, and an illustrator will come in. The center picture is the illustration of a character named Javert, which is the same character in all the pictures around it. He sings a song in the, in the musical called Stars. He is the representation, and, and I love the way the artist depicts him, not simply as what does his face look like, but how does his pose represent the idea of a legalistic understanding of the law that judgment is all that the law is for, and that there is no mercy to be expended to people because the law is the only thing that counts. And in reality, Javert's character represents the idea that I only understand God through the law. And therefore, everything that comes out of Javert is judgment. And his heart cannot continue to exist when he is faced with pure, unadulterated mercy. He can't survive it because all he lives for is law and judgment. Javert and judgment. Paul understood judgment. Paul understood the idea that uh, apart from the law, 
those we will perish with the law. We will still be judged, not by each other, but it is God and his righteousness. And that the idea of God's righteous and therefore good and just and fair and loving and merciful judgment that is part of the gospel proclamation. That is part of the good news of Christ. Because it isn't the judgment that you and I so often bring to the table. It isn't the judgment of legalism that comes to the table. It is the judgment of a righteous God. And we will hear more and more about the way God's righteousness gets revealed in the gospel. But to say that judgment isn't part of the gospel is to miss, as Paul says, the gospel that he preaches. But again, it's God's judgment, God's judgment, not ours. As we mentioned last week, before he became Paul, Saul knew the judgment of Jesus Christ. It was personal, individual for him. It was visceral. The light knocked him from his horse and blinded him. It was a visceral experience on the road to Damascus. But the thing is, that judgment for Paul transformed him from being the persecutor of the gospel into the man that we call and know so well as Paul, the proclaimer of the gospel. But again, that was God's judgment, not human judgment. Paul also, in this situation, experienced human judgment as he went into Damascus and the Christians there would have nothing to do with him. And it took the Spirit, Christ, speaking to one of the Christians there to go and to reach out and to proclaim the gospel to Paul. Let's continue the reading by jumping back to the beginning, to chapter 2, verse 1, and we'll read down to where um, DJ picked up the reading. Therefore you have no excuse, whoever you are, when you judge others. For in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, are doing the very same thing. We, you say, we know that God's judgment on those who do such things is in accordance with truth. Do not imagine, whoever you are, that when you judge those who do such things and yet do them yourself, you will escape the judgment of God. Or do you despise the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Do you not realize that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But by your hard and impertinent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. For he will repay according to each one's deeds to those who by patiently doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality. He will give eternal life. While for those who are self-seeking, who obey not the truth, but wickedness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be anguish and distress for everyone who does evil. The Jews first, and also the, Gent the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. The Jew first, and also the Greek. For God, being righteous and good shows no partiality. Our celebration of God's good news has moved through chapter 1 now, where we looked at 
the way God reveals his righteousness in Jesus Christ and in a salvation that is offered to absolutely everyone. That good news of Christ is contrasted with, as we enter into chapter 2, the revelation, same way that God's righteousness was revealed, the revelation of God's wrath, which is highlighted by God's righteous judgment. My wife asked me, have we gotten to the good part yet this week? And I said, no, no, we've got one, maybe one and a half more weeks of kind of the hard part of as Paul unfolds the message of the gospel. And so I hope that you'll continue to listen, even though these are the hard parts of the great celebration of God's good news. God's wrath, as we talked about last week, is not something about God being personally angry and just kind of something, pick one thing and injudiciously just wiping something out. God's wrath is really about turning people over to that which they choose to pursue. Adam and Eve said, we want to choose our own way. And God said, well, if you want your own way, then you can't stay in the garden anymore. That is what I told you, and you brought that on yourself. He told Israel, live in relationship with me. Live in this covenant. I will bless you in this covenant. Turn only to me. And Israel said over and over and over again, no, I think we'll get our answers elsewhere. And so God said, okay, I'll turn you over to where that leads you. And in the same way, Romans chapter 1 very powerfully talks about the idea that when our minds turn away from seeing God as the center of our life. And by the way, even if we are people who don't know the God of the Bible, and this week we'll talk about that even more, even in that case, when we live in a way that is contrary to, what is clearly a revealed natural order of things, then we bring about, God simply allows for his, for, for the results of our choice to be, to take a place in our lives. Celebrating the good news has to always be contrasted to where we would be without God, amen? And where we would be without God is not where God wants to leave us nor does it have to be where we stay. Again, these words from this passage, and they, they continue to echo, have to be placed in that historical light of this church that Paul is writing to, whom he so desperately wants to help them be a great light in this greatest city of the whole Roman Empire because of the experience of the Jews and Jewish Christians being kicked out, and now, five years later, they've been reintroduced, and it has produced all of these arguments, instead of a, a grand reunion of celebrating all that God continued to do in their absence and now can do even more when they've come back, celebrating all that God did, even though they were in other foreign places. Aquila and Priscilla being in Corinth probably was a result of being kicked out of Rome, and yet they blessed Paul's ministry. They taught Apollos. So many good things. It could have been such a celebration, this reuniting, but instead it brought judgment. It brought disunity. It brought people who came in and said, you've been doing it wrong the whole time we've been gone because we know that God calls on us to, to follow some requirements of the law, the law of Moses. And it took people and then Gentiles standing there and said, we didn't need you all the time anyway and you're not welcome here if you're bringing that stuff with you. And one would judge based on their own perspective, and the other would judge based on their own perspective. 
And Paul says, at its root, judgment may be one of the ultimate ways in which we break God's law. If I could summarize what Paul says earlier, it might look like this. When we stop giving thanks to God, when we start letting idolatry take our thanks and our praise away from God, then we violate Jesus' ultimate call. And I would make the argument that Paul here is not, is when he talks about this, the, the Gentiles being a law to themselves, he is not really talking very, uh, just, just kind of enigmatically out there in the wild. I think he sees what Jesus calls us to, to love God, being able to be perceived by people who haven't even read the Torah. They don't know who the God of the Bible is. They don't know who the true one living God is, Jehovah. But if, as seculars, secular philosophers, Plato and Cicero, recognize that the universe and everything that we see and experience points toward, towards a first mover or an ultimate giver, that if that ultimate power exists in the universe, then we should be understanding that we are humble to something greater than ourselves. For the Jew, they know exactly who this great first mover is. Jehovah God, amen? The creator of the universe. They know his story. But for the Gentile, to be aware of what even secular philosophers could kind of point to, the idea that there is something greater than us, that instead we take upon ourselves the idea of, I'll make the rules for my life. I won't recognize that there's anyone more powerful. I will not humble myself to anyone. I will only depend on my own ability to exert power over others. That we violate a natural law that can be seen anywhere. And when we do that, whether we are people of the law, Jews, and in so many ways... These words that he speaks to the Jews need to communicate us as people who are generational Christians. Who've grown up with a sense of, of there's a, a special set of rules that you need to do if you're a Christian. And we can see ourselves as saying, I know who God is and I want to do everything to love him in my life. But in the same way, someone who doesn't know God can violate that principle. You and I can violate that principle by not letting him be the ultimate Lord of our life. This week, we step into these words. When we judge others, when we stand in judgment, and, and again, you need to understand, this is, in some ways, speaking to a circle of people inside a church. Christians who have Jewish background and are holding on to some of the remnants of the law, and Christians who've never known the law, or at least have never been subjected to the, the law of Moses and its requirements. But I think the call is even bigger. When we judge others, we violate that second universal truth that I think Jesus brings up and Paul sees as naturally being able to be discerned. If we understand there is a greater mover than ourselves those same philosophers can recognize that humankind is a very different kind of, of being on the earth. Now God will say very directly, if you love me, Jesus will say very directly, if you love God, 
then you need to be sure that that love for God is expressed in love for one another. But even in natural law, the idea that somehow or another I have the right to belittle you, to abuse you, to take advantage of you, to exert whatever power I have to take advantage of you would be in violation of a natural law. They are laws that we're very familiar with. You and I know the idea. We can quote it. I hope you can quote it. Love the Lord your God. Say it with me. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Good, good Hellenistic, good Hellenistic Christians. And love your neighbor as yourself. We recognize these things. And when we step into anything that goes beyond those ideas of I recognize the imprint of God that every person I encounter, no matter how rich or poor, no matter how much they are engaged in a lifestyle that makes me feel comfortable and that I recognize as being uh, aligned with what I think ought to be done with human life or even the life that is very opposed to it, we have to be people who sit back and say, I will not condemn I will love my neighbor. And you never know when the process of loving a neighbor, even a neighbor who works so incredibly hard to push you away, they know you're a Christian. They're going to say all the curse words in front of you. They're going to be ridiculous in the way that they talk about evil things just to get you to react, just to see if they can make you hate them because that affirms in their own lives See, he's no better. When we judge others, we violate the call of Christ to love people. So we need to be people who do not step into that kind of judgment. I'm calling it repenting of judgment. So let's unpack these three ideas just a little bit if we can. First of all, to be a people who are repenting of judgment, we need to recognize that we are all and always in need of the forgiveness that God offers. That we are all in the need of God's forgiveness and we are always in need of that forgiveness. Now, I want to be sure and find something that, that may be misunderstood. Vic, thank you very much. I didn't cue Vic to do this, but Vic did what we always do in our prayers. Because in the model prayer that Jesus gave us, he said, we should ask, forgive us our, you know, pick your, pick your translation, debts, transgressions, and the most simple ones, forgive us our sins. And I love the way that both Matthew and Luke make sure and say, as we forgive those who trespass against us. But see, we need to understand that even this idea of being called to ask for forgiveness is not a contradiction to the forgiveness that Christ has made possible for us in the past, makes possible for us every single moment of our life, amen, and has already in such a powerful way fit us for the kingdom of God because of his great forgiveness. The problem is, is that we can become people like the folks that John was writing to somewhere in Asia probably in 1 John. And in 1 chapter he says, says, I know who Christ is. 
And what I need you to know is that if you stand up and say, I, as a Christian, stand up and say, I have no sin, you are antithetical to what God's good news is. Because what you're saying when you say that is that I can do my own sin forgiving. I can do what only God can do. We need to rest in the reality of that forgiveness. Amen? But we never need to take the forgiveness that Christ gives us through the waters of baptism because they represent his death, burial, and resurrection covered with his blood, completely consumed in it, such that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the blood of Jesus. Amen? But when we take that and say, that's mine in the sense of I do it myself, then we leave behind the gospel of Christ. Brothers and sisters, I look out on this audience and I see this amazing group of people who've worked so hard, don't just work so hard, but partner with the Holy Spirit for their lives to be transformed. And I love the way I see that. That's one of the great advantages of being here for more than 10 years is you watch transformation take place. And you don't just watch transformation take place because you watch children who were, who were barely born when you got here to grow up. You watch humans become less sin, sinful nature, objects of wrath, and become much more of the people of the Spirit. Amen? You get to watch that happen. But that doesn't happen with a sense of pride of, look what I have done. It's so easy for us to stand here. And particularly when you take the message like last week. And that idea of depraved minds and God turning them over. And, and exchanging natural relationships for unnatural relationships. It's easy for us to sit back and point fingers and say, yes, look at all they have done. And God comes back and says, no, I'm looking at you. And if you think that somehow or another you can live beyond those basic requirements of the law, I encourage you to read the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 5 and 6 have these sections, you've heard the law say, but I say to you that there's a greater fulfillment. And I would challenge you that not all of us live up. In fact, I would challenge me to say that I never fully reach all that God wants me to be. But thankfully, I stand in the forgiveness of Christ. Secondly, we need to be sure that we work very hard to define the difference between judgment that condemns and judgment that discerns. When Paul uses the word judgment in this passage, he uses it in the sense of Jewish Christians standing there and condemning Gentiles because they're not living up to some set of legalistic standards that they have defined as essential to being God's people. And make no mistakes, the Gentiles turn right around and they point at the Jews and say, you foolish, and, and, and they'll use the word, and this should ring a bell if you've read through the entire book, you weak people. We know better. We know God's grace and his mercy and the spirit, life of the Spirit, we are so much greater than you are. And they speak words of condemnation. But every single time that Jesus will say, don't 
judge one another. And Paul will echo his words and say, don't judge each other. He will also speak and say, you always have to be about the process of discerning what is wise living. Opening the word of God and saying, how am I to live today? How am I to understand what God has revealed in his word, the way the spirit works in my life to point me in a direction that is about wise living and living into a greater and greater level of loving God and loving others. And being able to do that and discern for myself and to teach my family and to teach those ideas about a wise living and to never step into the idea of condemning someone else through judgment is an important process for all of us who want to follow in Jesus' footsteps, who reserved, by the way, most of his harshest words for the people who thought they lived most closely to what God wanted them to be. But when he ran into tax collectors and the general moniker of sinners, he just told stories and laughed and was the joy of the party while he constantly pointed towards a God who loved them even though their lives were not everywhere they needed to be. Third, if we're going to be repenting from judgment, we need to always be celebrating the freedom we have of humble confession and humble professing. Has God gifted you with parents? Has God gifted you with maybe a friend or a coworker? Has God gifted you with someone who introduced you to Christ? That's not about you being good. That's about a gracious gift from God. Amen? And maybe you recognize that there are people in your life who had opportunities like that, but I can promise you, there are so many folks that didn't have the power of that message of the gospel presented them in a way that they could take it in and let it be theirs. I want to humbly, consistently confess how much I need Jesus. But I always want to profess the need for everyone to have Jesus. The question will be, will I step into that profession with a humble heart that knows how much I need that message? Or will I step into that message with an arrogant heart that doesn't reflect the love for others that God would have me have, have me live out. And I stand in judgment when I profess the mercy and the grace of Christ. Can you see the contradiction there? As opposed to professing the great invitation, the great invitation that salvation has been made available to all through Jesus Christ. Repenting of judgment. As we close, as I just did, I want to take you back to verse 16. Because the good news is that, by the way, even for sinful judgers like I can be and have been, that there is salvation available through Jesus Christ. 
It will always be about God's power being greater and God's forgiveness being greater than my own inabilities and my failings. And so I proclaim to you this message, this message of God's salvation for all. God's salvation even for those who you might sit in condemnation of. But God says, no, my love is great enough, not just for them, but to change them. Because his love is great enough, not just for me, but to change me too. We're not broadcasting. If you have a friend who needs to reach out, who would like to have some questions answered, this would be a great way for them to, uh, if they want to stay in some sort of anonymity in that conversation, they can send a message here. I check it every day. Just looking to see if someone needs something. Maybe you need something. Maybe you need to talk to your neighbor, your husband, your wife, someone here. Say, I, I, I need to come to grips with this idea of being discerning about the life I live, but not condemning other words, others. I need to come to grips with a little more about what it is to love God with everything I've got and how that impacts my loving of others and not condemning. Maybe you even need to talk to someone here, maybe one of our elders, about the way you'd let your heart step into a judgment, even of your own brothers and sisters. You don't see things the way you do. Maybe don't do things the way you do. And you've kind of pushed them away. You may say hello, but your heart is not in it. But maybe, maybe you're one of those people who's ready to say, I want to put that stuff behind me, and I want to be who God wants me to be. That starts in the waters of baptism, and you're invited to come right now as we stand and as we sing. Just as I am without one plea, but
stage two nursery this is a time to do that in preparation for the lord's supper let's sing this next song This morning's message is a, a bit difficult for us to hear, um, to be reminded that though we know God and what is right and wrong, that even then we don't do uh, what he asks us to do. And so this morning, uh, one of the, the good things about what we do is we remember uh, Jesus. And in remembering that, we can't help but remember that were it not for him, we would not have a relationship with God. And we're thankful that he was willing to come and to rescue us. Won't you join me in prayer this morning? Dear God, thank you for everything you do for us, for our very lives, for the, the, the way that you've provided for us on this earth, for revealing yourself to us. For allowing us to, to know you, to know that you have created us and love us and want good things for us. Lord, forgive us as we have turned away from you and, and chosen to do things our way. Lord, we, we thank you for not waiting for us to figure it out because we know we, we would not figure it out. But instead, coming to us. Lord, we thank you for Jesus and his coming to earth to offer himself as a sacrifice on our behalf, knowing that we couldn't. Lord, we remember his body that he gave as he died for us. And we thank you for that. We ask that it would strengthen us and help us to, to walk more closely to you. 
It's in his name we pray. Amen. But when Christ came as a high priest of good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle. It's not made with human hands. That is to say, it's not part of this creation. He didn't enter by means of the blood of goats and of calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Would you pray again with me? Dear God, thank you again for uh, Christ's uh, life here on this earth and his willingness to give his life on our behalf. We thank you for the love that he demonstrated for us and the way that he demonstrated a perfect trust in you to vindicate him, to protect him, to raise him from any harm and to elevate him. Lord, help us to, to follow in his example, to trust in you and your ways, even when it's different than our ways. Help us to realize that we can follow the example of Christ and put our, uh, our fate in your hands, that you are worthy and loving and will take care of us. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to remember that and to take this cup. It's in his name we pray. Amen. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, Cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. At this time, we won't pass the collection, but there's an opportunity to give in the back if you want to do that. Um, will you join me in prayer for the giving? Dear God, thank you for all the ways you bless us. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you in our lives. Lord, we pray that you will be with us as we um, offer our gifts back to you. Lord, help it to be a reflection of our trust in you. Help us not to, to be um, overly anxious about the things of this world. Help us to, to um, be willing to share the means that we have in this world with others, particularly to do our part to try to um, further your kingdom here on the earth. We ask that you would guide our hearts and bless the gifts and help them to be useful in your service. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Alan, for great uh, words and, and message today and uh, kind of taken from the song we sang just as I am you know for us being guilty to be, be pardoned is uh, I mean it's a true blessing to know that in this sinful world uh, we have that out to know that his grace is sufficient for 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 all of us you know and and we are not perfect and uh, 
it's, it's sad to hear a person who is scared to come to church because they think everybody in here is perfect. And, uh, and that's the, the message that we're sending sometimes is, is not the right message, is that we all need Christ in, uh, in, uh, in our lives. And thank you so much. Um, just want to thank you for everybody being here today. And, and uh, sorry about our, our online issues that we're having. Hopefully we can get those fixed and, and uh, get those uh, back joining us live. So continue to do that. Also, uh, continue, thank you so much for your financial support. And in this discernment time that uh, we're going through, we're not going to budget any more than, you, than the church tells us that we need to, to put down. And, um, and as we move forward, uh, I can guarantee you those that are over their ministry teams are going to figure out a way to still bring a blessing to God in everything that we do. And so thank you. Uh, in the caring and sharing, um, just want to make sure you remember the ones we have listed in our prayers there. Allie, uh, Wade, Connie, Aubrey. Edna Allen, Chelsea Miller, Josie Miller, and then also there's a list of some thank you notes, but I want to add one more to that list, a family friend of the Leons, Larry Greco, who's going to be having hip and knee replacement surgery on Tuesday morning. Uh, I want to remember uh, him in our prayers. Also, uh, continue to pray over our elder discernment uh, process that we are Going through right now, thank you so much for those members on that on that team and uh, the efforts and, and staying fervent to the schedule and keeping us moving. Um, remember, 4 p.m. today is the deadline, so either email or you can fill it out here before you leave today and put it in the box. Um, uh, I have a note here for life groups. We're moving on from the lit, uh, leading well, but... Uh, just I know life groups are still meeting, and so if you're not in one, uh, find a group to get with and, and get involved with that. It's a, it's a joyment, a, a lot of joy that um, we still get to have that little time of just really kind of face-to-face time that we've really been missing that relationship. Uh, also, thank you so much for the prayers. Uh, I think it was very successful, Soul Link. Um, I saw some pictures, and they had a pretty good crowd of a lot of youth that were able to be there uh, over the um, Saturday, so I think that's an excellent, excellent uh, event for our kids to get out and get and be able to do something. Um, also, remember Hope for Haiti. Uh, Roger gave a, an excellent talk, and we got to hear some videos. That's on the website. If you miss class, you get to kind of you can go see and or, and listen to that on our Lake Jackson website. Uh, I don't think I have left out anything else. Anything? All right, let's pray. Our Father, as we come before you, I just want to uh, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to come here, be with each other, lift praises to you, and and um, and listen to your word and take that word into our heart and be your hands and feet in the world and share this with others. Go with us as this week, as we uh, uh, we go into this world. I just ask that you. Uh, uh, be with all those who are struggling with illnesses and in different ways and, and uh, maybe having surgeries this week and just be with those uh, who are ministering to them and, and uh, bless them, bless those hands. Go with us um, through this week that we can uh, contact others who may be in need 
and um, and just be an ear and listen with them and, and maybe pray with them and pray in Christ's name. Amen. We'll all be standing for our closing song.